0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you, McKenna. You guys give McKenna a hand. What a nice... So what McKenna reads on page 938 in your pew Bible... um, and that's what we're we're looking today, looking at today. Um, so I read something really, really interesting the other day. Um, did you know that um, the world is experiencing? Oh yes, and it's time for the kids to go downstairs to children's church with with Miss Miss Speaker there in the back. So she's just stretching her legs. That's why you're standing back there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So you guys can head back down there. Um, so it turns out, this is what I, I learned this week, that there's a worldwide rise in myopia. Do you guys know what myopia is? I didn't. Um, myopia is nearsightedness. Um, and actually, the, the National Eye Institute, um, they predict that in 50 years, um, or no, sorry, over the last 50 years in the United States, uh, you know, like, you know, around 19, in the 70s, around 25% of people were, were nearsighted. Okay, so so I had to wear glasses to see things far away. And now that number is closer to 41.6%. They think um, worldwide by 2050, uh, a half of the world's population is going to need glasses to see things far away. Uh, It's just a tremendous rise. It's really interesting. It actually, in China, um, 90% of people are nearsighted. 90% of people. And they have all kinds of different theories about why this is, uh, but uh, one of the most interesting ones and, and one of the ones that they seem to agree on is that it has, it has something to do with the fact, uh, it, it kind of correlates with education. Uh, so as a country gets educated, uh, kids spend more time in school uh, reading books and looking at things close up and they just, their vision just gets worse. It, you train your eyes to see things up close. You spend less time outside and it, it actually changes, uh, the structure of your eye. Uh, so it turns out when your mom told you not to sit so close to the TV, like she wasn't kidding. She was right. It actually matters. Um, and so what they, what they argue, what they say you should do if you're, if you're a kid, especially cause your eyes are extra soft when, when you're a younger person is, um, is do less um, close-up work and spend more time outside. Uh, that's kind of the, the big thing. They say kids that spend uh, at, at least three hours a day outside have like a way less likelihood of becoming becoming nearsighted. Um, and I just found that incredibly interesting because what that tells us is that our, our eyes themselves um, change based on how we use them, right? So if we spend our time, uh, and, and I'm surely wrecking my vision. If we spend our time just looking at things close up, our, our eyes actually adapt to see things close up better, and they get worse and worse at seeing things far away. Um, where you look, it, it changes your eyes. And, and I thought that was so interesting because it fits very well with what we've been talking about here at church the last few weeks in, in Matthew. Um, right, because Matthew, uh, yeah, there we go. Matthew says this, um, the eye is the lamp of the body. And this is a part of what McKenna was reading. Uh, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And this is the Bible's way of saying where you look um, changes who you are. Um, when you look at something up close, you, it changes you. It makes you a different uh, kind of person. And so this whole section of Matthew as, as Jesus is, is preaching, as he's teaching to these disciples, right? The people that he's gathered uh, from all over. These uh, hungry and sick and poor and desperate people that are in need of of something. That's why they're here. Uh, he tells them uh, where you look determines where you go. And and last week we talked about um, when we how we focus sometimes and where we focus our eyes uh, when we're practicing faith. Uh, we talked about how sometimes we do the church thing because we're worried about what other people are going to see in us. We want to be a good example for somebody else, or we, we want to practice our, our faith out in front of others so that they can see us. And we talked about how that leads uh, to, to darkness, because if we're seeking after God, if we're um, pretending to seek after God, but we're not really seeking after God, it... It, it, damages our, it damages our eyes. It damages our vision. And Jesus will talk about uh, three other things uh, about how we, how we spend our lives focusing. And, and the warning is, the reminder is, that the more we focus on these other things, the less um, we focus on, on what matters and where we look, right? Where we look, it, it changes our eyes. And our, our vision determines where we end up. And so today, we're looking at uh, the role of fear and worry in, in our daily lives. And Jesus dedicates, um, dedicates time to talk about this for a, a, long, uh, a long period of time to remind us how destructive it is when we focus on the wrong things. So would you uh, bow your heads and, and pray with me um, for, for just a minute? Lord God, as we open your word together today, as we listen for your voice. I I pray that you remind us that uh, wherever we are and every uh, place we go and and every day that we walk together, that you want to talk to us. You want to lead us. You want to guide us. And so we pray that as we open your word, we wouldn't uh, do it just for the sake of reading it or listening or whatever, uh, but that you might work on our hearts a little bit that you might help us to fix our eyes on the things that matter most. So would you uh, work uh, work through us today and in us, in your name, amen. Uh, so today we're, we're talking about what it means um, to, to focus on, on fear instead of uh, something else. And I, I remember... Uh, I was a, not a good camp kid, but I went to, to camp a few times growing up. And I'll never forget, uh, we went to Covenant Heights uh, camp, and they had a had a zip line that at the time I thought was like 1,000 feet tall. But basically they had a tree, and they put a, a wire in one end of that tree, and then down a valley, and there was a wire in the other tree. And so they had this tight wire. And you, what you did was you had to climb up this ladder, and put this harness on, and they would strap you into the zip line, and you'd jump off, and you'd swing down the zip line, and it's fun, and then you'd get down. And, and it was everybody wanted to do it. I was so excited to do it uh, the whole, whole week at camp. We finally got to zip line day. And this is one of my most vivid memories. I, I think I was like 11 or 12. And, and I'll never forget what it felt like, because we all kind of gathered in a little group at the bottom of the tree. And, you know, they're getting into the harness, and everybody's putting the harness on. They had a bunch of harnesses and getting it tight and secure. And then we had to sit there and wait and watch while kids climbed the ladder, got hooked in and got all secure and, and slid down the zip line and had a, had a good time. And as kids are climbing that ladder, there's this thing that's growing in me, and it's I was not... I was so scared (laughs) to go down the zip line. I really was. And I'm watching these kids, and they are having no trouble at all. You know, they're just scampering up that ladder and a million feet tall, and there's a little platform, and they hook them in, and they don't fall off, and everything's fine. It goes great, and they're having a blast. But but as I'm getting closer and closer to my turn in the line, I am just getting more and more concerned about climbing that, that ladder. And it's interesting, and this probably tells you uh, a lot about who I was as a kid and probably some of the things I still wrestle with today was I was, um, I was less worried about getting hurt on the zipline than I was. My biggest fear was that I would climb up that ladder and then I would be unable to ride the zipline, that I would get to the top and then I'd get scared. This was my, this, I was terrified this would happen because all your friends are down there looking at you. You're standing up there. Everybody's eyes are on you. And I was just terrified that if I climbed that ladder, I wouldn't be able to take that step. And then everybody would, you know, laugh at me and stare at, you know, little Todd up on the thing. And, and I, was, I was terrified of this. I was imagining, I pictured, I remember, what it would be like to stand there and have the guy say, okay, go. And, and then to just not move, Right. And like everybody, nobody knows what to do. I, I imagine myself um, having to unhook off the zip line and climb back down the ladder uh, because I was too afraid to go. And, and I'll tell you, and every time we got one step further, and by the time I was like three from the front, I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Forget it. I took the harness off and I left. I was like, I'm not doing it. And I still have never done a zip line <laughs> Never. And I, I, totally missed, I totally missed out on it. And it's funny, you know, I, I don't think I ever, you know, grew out of that, that feeling um, of letting something, you know, that could happen just stop something great from happening. All my friends loved the zip line. They did it a dozen times. And then every year after, we'd come to camp, and I would just not sign up for the zip line. I didn't want to get anywhere near it. Even today, when I see a zip line, I think I remember that moment and I'm that little boy again. And and I'd love to say, right, that I grew out of that fear, but I think that fear kind of grew up with me. <laughs> uh, it, it's not the same anymore. Although my, my brother and my dad are talking about going skydiving the next time we're all in Colorado. And I'm anxious about it now because it's like, ah, I should go... But then you get in the plane. Anyway, I, I, didn't grow, I didn't grow out of it. And I think about so many things in my own life that I let kind of focusing on a fear like that, that ruin. You know, maybe, and there's been times in my life too where I was afraid of something and I went ahead and did it and it went okay, but now the story in my head is all about the fear. Because when you, when you look at something and you focus on it, it has this way of just poisoning everything else. I, I think about all the things that it stopped me from enjoying in my own life. And, and I, I don't think I'm the only one that lives with a version of this. Um, I don't think I'm the only one that lets my worry about tomorrow um, ruin today sometimes. Um, because we are, we are wired, we are made to feel uh, fear and anxiety sometimes. Actually, fear is a really important emotion, right? It's a really important feeling. Fear is what stops you from doing some of the stupidest things that you could ever do, right? People that don't have any fear, they get into real trouble. Nobody in this, in this room, of course. Um, but it, so it is important, right, at times. And when you're in a life and death situation, uh, fear and anxiety and that adrenaline rush that you get, it can save your life. Um, but the trouble is that when it's not a life or death situation, it, it really hurts us over long periods of time, right? Over long periods of time, and, and we're dealing with this as a society right now, uh, fear and anxiety and things that it does to our body, it, it, it wrecks us, right? It wrecks our bodies. It wrecks our health. Um, fear and anxiety and that kind of ruminating on the worst thing that could happen, um, oftentimes I find that it, it messes up our, our relationships, because maybe we need to apologize to somebody for something we said or did, and we just can't stand in front of them. So instead, what we do is we just don't talk to them anymore because they make us uncomfortable. They make us afraid. It, it, it wrecks our relationships. And it even, uh, and Jesus is going to talk about this, um, it wrecks our, our faith because it's really hard um, to follow Jesus when we're focused on all the terrible things that, might happen and that could happen. It, it has this way of just stopping us right in our tracks. And Jesus recognizes this, right? And that's why he's talking about it here. He's not uh, you know, telling us not to worry because it's obvious that we shouldn't worry. He's telling us not to worry because he knows that each of us over the course of our lives, many times are going to have to make a choice about what we're going to focus on. If we're going to focus on our fears and let that wreck everything, or if we're going to focus on something else. Um, and so again, as we've gone through this series, the whole, the whole point is, is that, that line, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, or, or turn around because heaven is coming, and what Jesus is going to say, um, and what he says over and over again in Matthew, is that I've come so that you don't have to live this way anymore. Uh, he's going to say, I've come so that you don't have to live focused on fear anymore. And so um, this little passage, what, what Jesus does is he just, um, this is how he would invite us to deal with our fear and our anxiety. Uh, our desire to, to kind of zero in on that. And so we're just going to take a look, the, the first little bit, um, and McKenna read this as well, uh, but he starts by kind of um, exposing uh, the lie that we tell ourselves about, about our fear. He says, "'Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth "'where moths and vermin destroy.'" Uh, instead, uh, or where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, and, and what he's exposing there uh, is, is this. is this first lie that I think we believe about fear and that I know I've believed about anxiety. Um, I think sometimes we think if we can just solve the problem, uh, our anxiety and our fear, it'll go away. Um, maybe you're like me, and, and how this works for me is that I think that I can worry And plan and explain and work and if I do it just right, if I uh, dot all my t's, if I prepare perfectly and make everything just right, I think that I can set myself free from anxiety. You know, if you get you get worried, if you're worried about money, you know, your thought is if I can just make a good budget and a good plan, I'm no longer going to be stressed out about how much money I have anymore. Or if I can make, you know, or, or maybe the other one is if I can just get a little bit more money, I can. I can take care of myself. And Jesus says, um, you're you're tempted to store up stuff for yourself to protect yourself on earth. But the problem is that everything that we do, all the preparations that we make here, all the attention that we pay to being a good employee or uh, taking care of our health or uh, anxiously trying to make sure things are going to be okay for sure— The world is just not, it's not stable enough for that to work. Um, You know, who among us doesn't know somebody that was just unbelievably healthy and smart in every decision they made but still wound up getting sick with something, right? Uh, Who among us hasn't, um, you know, just been the best, you know, made the best financial decisions and, and it just didn't turn out. And and Jesus is saying this, he says, no matter how much you store up, we live in a world where decay and trouble and problems, they come completely out of left field. We can't plan for them. You can do everything right and have the perfect plan, and you can, you know, step out the door and slip and fall, and, and all of a sudden that plan, it just doesn't work out anymore. Jesus exposes this, this lie, the lie that we think we can work our way free of, of anxiety. If you've ever um, wrestled with fear or anxiety, you know this is true, that no matter how hard you try, you, you never make it. No matter how much you accumulate or what a good job you do, you never get past that fear by working at it. Um, if you're if you're worried about something and you tell yourself even I've tried this one before oh don't worry about that you just like fight it in your own head you're like okay I shouldn't be worried Jesus says don't be worried I'm just gonna think about how I shouldn't worry if you've ever tried that you know it doesn't it doesn't work it's it's crazy um, even when you do everything right um, something out of your control just just messes it up and and the more we focus on the things we're afraid of and worried about even if it's in constructive ways. Um, the deeper we kind of turn in on ourselves. If you've ever been really worried about something, it has this way of just kind of pulling you in on yourself. Uh, It drives you away from from God, I I think, and it drives you away from other people. I know when I'm uh, worried about, you know, uh, maybe it's Saturday and there's something crazy going to happen on Sunday, I can't pay attention to my kids. I ignore them. I let that fear just ruin Ruin the day. And so, so that's what Jesus says. He wants to tell us. He says, this isn't a problem that we can solve on our own, under our own strength, with our mental focus, or really good business decisions. Um, but don't get discouraged. Um, he continues on in verse 25. And what he's going to offer to us is is his way um, of living free of anxiety and fear. And it's not a one-time, easy solution. It's something that you have to dedicate your life to. Uh, but, but if we go to uh, 25, he just, he puts it simply. Uh, Jesus says, uh, therefore, I tell you, uh, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink, your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Um, and if you grew up with this passage, maybe you always stopped there and you thought, okay, thanks, Jesus, I'll just not worry. But of course, that doesn't work, right? The more you try to not worry, the the more anxious you get about the fact that you're worrying. But fortunately for us, Jesus gives us a little bit more. He tells us a couple stories. He says, when you're anxious, when the fear is piling up, when you don't know what to do, when you're worried about tomorrow, take a breath and look at the birds. (laughs) That's what he says. and I think this is a practice that Jesus is asking his followers to follow. When you're pulling in on yourselves and you're getting really worried and you don't know what to do. Take a step back, open your eyes to the things around you, uh, to the beauty and creation, these, these beautiful birds flying around, the, the flowers, the field. Jesus says, Take a second and look. He says, Look at the birds. Um, they're flying around here. They're not um, making master plans to make sure they have food tomorrow, uh, but they're fed. God takes care of them. You look and you see that bird flying in that moment and that bird is is alive and okay and God is holding on to them. He says, delight in that bird. He says, look at the flowers of the field. He says, look at how beautiful they are. That even though they don't put any effort into appearing beautiful, of course they couldn't, uh, God makes them beautiful. He's reminding us and then he says, you know, if God cares about making a bird, uh, making sure birds eat, And if he cares about making sure uh, flowers are beautiful, how much more does he care about you? How much more does he care about you, who he loves and lived and died for, than some bird or some flower? Jesus, the first thing we have to do is when we're feeling anxiety, when fear is just heavy on our shoulders, is just take a breath and delight in God's creation. Uh, look at just how ridiculously beautiful God's world is. Think about the fact that there are places that no human being will ever go that is more beautiful than anything you or I could create or paint on our own. That's the kind of world that God lived. He filled it full of beauty and abundance. I, um, Jody, I noticed in your, in your Facebook pictures just the beauty of the desert. You know, this place where, where hardly anybody lives and now thanks to uh, the miracle of, of modern science, we can live there. But, but it's this, this beautiful world that's just empty. But God cared to make it beautiful. Jesus says, remember who that God is. And remember that you belong to him. And then the second thing uh, that he reminds us to do. That's right. That first one, right? So you can't. Beat fear by focusing on it. Don't worry. Don't store up in barns because you can't beat fear by focusing on it. The second thing, again, look around. Remember who you are. Remember who God is. And and the last thing, uh, he says at the very end of this passage. Let me find it, though. In verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom. He says, don't worry about gathering these things. Don't worry about taking care of your own needs. Don't uh, obsess over every possible condition. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And, and this is what, what he means. He says, uh, look around for God's kingdom and we've talked about what it means that Jesus' kingdom is coming. It means that God is setting people free, that he's doing amazing things in people right here and right now, that God is bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. So Jesus says, when you've uh, you, you got anxiety on your back and you don't know what to do, uh, don't bother focusing on it. You're not going to defeat it that way anyway. Look around, remember who you are, and remember who God is. Uh, and then also keep your eyes open for signs of the kingdom for little places in your life and in your relationships where heaven uh, is coming down to earth. Um, People that you care about, people that have been transformed by Christ and, and helped. He says, look for the kingdom. Look for the ways that God is making a new world. And then he says, seek the kingdom and seek righteousness. And this is Jesus' way of talking about living like God is at work on earth. Uh, You know, look for God's new world as it breaks in and look for the way of life that goes with it. And he says, instead of focusing on your emotion, your fear, and yourself, or that worry outside of yourself, instead of pulling in on yourself in those moments, uh, instead, take a look, open your eyes, see the beauty of creation, and look for God at work. Uh, I think oftentimes we think we can deal with fear by looking inside of our, ourselves. Um, we can deal with our worries by ignoring them and shoving them away or and covering them over with nice things or, or we think we can deal with our, our worries by solving our problems and ticking the box and making a perfect plan or, or maybe we think we can deal with our fears with like mental gymnastics like, oh, don't worry about it. I just have to tell myself harder. But the answer isn't found inside of us and what we can do. It's found looking outside, not at our fears, but at our king. Looking at the king and the kingdom that he's building. In my own life, and maybe in yours too, and the more people I talk to, I just hear this again and again and again. Worry and anxiety and fear, um, they have the power to just suck everything good out of life. When you're really carrying that concern for yourself or someone else, it just makes even the best meal taste like ashes in your mouth. It has the power to make the best moments cold, dark, and flavorless. And it's not that the things we're worried about aren't real problems or that we shouldn't be concerned about them, but worry and our focus on it has this way to just blind and dull every other sense we have. The more we look at it, the harder it is for us to see joy and light. The more we worry about our anxiety or our fear about something, the harder it is for us to care about what's going on in somebody else's life. The bigger that thing is, we pay a price for worry and I and I think that price is missing life and, and missing people, but, but God tells us who we are and who He is. He's our loving father and we're our beloved or we're His beloved children. He reminds us that we really are being cared for, that our lives stretch not just these years on earth, but into eternity. He reminds us that he loves us more than the birds and the flowers. He reminds us that death is not the end. And he gives us something we can do when worry and fear is dominating our thinking and our actions. He says, instead of letting those things, letting tomorrow drive our lives, instead, look for what you can do today. Look for God today. Don't fight the worry, but look at something else. This isn't something that comes easily. Sometimes I think when we read the Bible, we just feel so condemned when it tells us to do something or not do something. And we read this and we say, Lord, it is impossible for me to stop worrying. So are you trying to condemn me? But remember, it's not in here because it's easy. It's in here because it's something we all deal with. We need to be reminded again and again and again to not give in to this culture of fear and instead put our focus on God. The opposite of faith isn't doubt often, it's it's misplaced fear. And so the, the thing that I took out of this and I want to share with you uh, as you're here this morning or you're listening online or, or whatever, is to ask yourself, you know, what is it that you're looking at? What is it that you spend your life focused on? Is it is it leading to Increased anxiety or is it leading to peace? Is it leading to trust or is it leading to fear? And then uh, as you think about those things, you think about, and for me, like the ways that uh, you spend your time, I know for me, um, a number of years ago, I used to be on Twitter a lot because I thought people said funny things and I wanted to hear about what was going on. And I discovered that it just totally ruined my life. It just filled me up with fear and I had to delete it because it just wasn't good. (laughs) I don't know what that thing is for you, that when you sit down in front of it, it might feel good in the moment, but you find yourself more fearful, more worried, and less able to trust God after. Um, But what I have for for me and and for you is this this vision, uh, an exercise to help us change our focus. And and there are just three parts to this. It's kind of a prayer exercise that you can try when you get home today or maybe a few times this week or maybe as we enter Lent and get ready for Easter, you can make this a part of your prayer life. Um, But to change our our vision, uh, there's these three steps. First, we start with delight. We start seeking the kingdom. and, And it's really practical. Just sit down, look around you, think about your life, and try and write down one thing that you didn't say yesterday that you're grateful for. One thing that you really enjoyed, one gift that God gave you that you maybe forgot to say thank you for, but, but sit down and, and look around and just say, man, what an awesome thing that was. What a beautiful thing that was that I saw. What a great conversation with my friend Delight and then uh, release, and, and that's in, in your prayer life. And I encourage you, uh, for me, it really helps to write stuff down because you remember better. It brings your body into it. But, but release, write down the things that you're afraid of, the things that are just on your back. Write them down and, and make it a practice when you pray of writing it down and say, I'm not going to think about this anymore. I'm going to try not to. Just release it. Write it down. Say, okay, God has it. And then finally, um, act. Um, Because the kingdom isn't just about what we're thinking and what we're feeling, but it's about what we do. And so ask God, how can I show love or the kingdom to somebody today? How can I live out of that delight that God has given me? Who is God calling me to pray for, to talk to, to care for? Maybe uh, you suffer with, um, you suffer so much with anxiety or depression or something else, your act is is getting help beyond uh, just trying to pray it, pray it away. Uh, talking to a counselor or a therapist and saying, hey, this is what I'm going through. Uh, can, can you help me? But uh, those three parts of this practice is begin with delighting in what God has done and who he is. Take a moment to write down and release the fears that are heavy on you. And guess what? Tomorrow morning when you write, or the next morning when you write them down again, there might be some of those same things on there. Uh, that's not a condemnation. It's just a chance to write them on the list again. And then finally, act in line with what God is doing. If you see him at work, join in. If you see someone who's hurt, talk to them, pray for them, care for them. Don't let fear stop you from walking into somebody else's life. I think some of us are, oh yeah, that's what's next. I think some of us are so full, are, are so hooked on, on worry and fear that it, it seems impossible to taste a moment without it. But in Christ, we have an example of someone who even with the cross on the horizon, even with his enemies surrounding him, he fixed his eyes on his father and modeled a life without anxiety. If we fix our eyes on him, we can find the same thing. We're invited to take our eyes off ourselves and instead fix them on Christ his death and resurrection. We're invited to accept forgiveness for the times we fall, accept the promise that God has us through life and death and fix our eyes on him. And so as we close, I just want to read one more passage of of scripture because I think it's a beautiful picture of what God intends for us. It's a beautiful picture of how uh, Jesus lived his life and how he approached the God that cares about us more than birds and flowers. It's a reminder that even when we fall or are trapped by worry, it reminds us who we are and who our God is. And so this is what what Jesus said about his father and what it means to approach him in prayer. Which of you if your son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then though you're evil, though you're an imperfect parent, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Ask, delight, and do. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you dedicate your word to reminding us again and again that you do love us because we forget. You remind us that we don't have to worry because we forget. You remind us what it is to trust you because we so often forget. Lord, I pray this morning that you would set us free from the worries, the fears, the anxieties that we carry. That you'd help us to lay them at your feet today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. But that as we do that day after day, as we remember and remind ourselves who you are day after day, as we delight in you day after day, that you would... Remind us in real, physical ways that you can hold our fear and our anxiety, that you hold our lives in your hand more firmly and with more love and care than even uh, the most beautiful and amazing parts of your creation. Help us to lay down our own focus on ourselves and on these things and instead fix our eyes on you. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.